Hello and welcome to the Rugby Blindside podcast. My name is Will, I run Rugby Blindside and I will be your host for this series. If you don't know about Rugby Blindside, we are a digital media platform that focuses on off-the-pitch aspects in rugby. We look at what's involved in the business of running a rugby club at all levels. Feel free to check out our quarterly magazine and website for the latest news, features and opinion. Find out more at rugbyblindside.com. My goal for this podcast is to discover more about what happens off the pitch in rugby by speaking to the people who work at rugby clubs, unions and associations. I will be asking them to share their experiences, stories and thoughts on various topics and issues in rugby. My guest this week is David Clent. David is Game Development Chairman at Kent County RFU and is a Kent County RFU Executive Committee member. He has held various roles in rugby including President at Old Altaniums RFC, President for Kent Women's and Girls, and Chairman of Kent RFU Youth. David is also a Kent Society referee and a Kent Referee Society's Appointments Officer. He is a keen rugby volunteer and has helped out at many rugby events that have been hosted in the UK. Hello David, welcome to the Rugby Blindside podcast. How are you? Thank you Will, I am fine to middle in good how are you coping with uh, lockdown at the moment everything going well uh, i'm not coping with it very well at all not coping but it's it's nearly over so yeah, it is nearly over you can um, see the I have my two jabs there. oh that's good that's yeah. good um, i'm still on number one so we'll get there at, get there at some point but the light is definitely at the end of the tunnel at the moment we can see it anyway and it, it desperately needs to be I need I am a people's person and I need to get out and about get out to the local rugby club as well oh, which is for you yeah. my club's held Tamians. okay how long have, um, how long have you been involved there 30 years 30 years <laughs> um, I'll tell you that that is my age so I've <laughs> been involved in that club longer than I've been alive so Hats off to you there. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to start off uh, with something that I'm actually going to ask everyone on this podcast, um, just so we get to know a little about you as a person and your background. Um, so I just wanted to ask you what your first memory of rugby is, whether that be playing, watching, being told about it. What was it? It was playing at school. I went to a uh, Bexley near a technical high school for boys, very grand name. Mm-hmm. and um, uh, very much a rugby school. And I left at fifth form, but we were playing rugby at that point. And because I was short, dumpy, um, they chucked me in the forwards. I okay. absolutely hated it. Um, I was never, never athletic at school. And that, but that was my first memory of it. <laughs> Not and then I parked that memory. Yeah. Yeah, and how, and how did you first get involved working in rugby? Did it follow follow a career in rugby or a playing career or? No, it. What happened was, um, I I worked abroad for a number of years. I used to play American football. Okay. Um, uh, I, I, back in the day, I was a, a bit slimmer and a bit faster, and uh, I played out as wide receiver, um, and. Uh, I enjoyed it, came back and didn't really do anything because there was nothing in, in the way. I've worked in Germany, so American football was with the Americans, mm. uh, but it was only sort of friendlies and bits. And then when I came back, 
my son at the time, who was nine, um, because he was short, dumpy, like I used to be. Um, he got one of his classmates said, I want you to come and play rugby. Okay. So took him up there and being the good dad, I went up there with him, stood on the sideline and thought, mm, yeah, I remember this. And sort of, uh, and like all <clears throat> parents, you tend to get involved. And the next thing I was writing a little uh, newsletter each week for him on what had happened the previous weekend. And then I got asked to do it for the club. And then I got invited onto the committee doing that. And the next thing I knew, I was youth chairman. Wow. For the club. Um, I think I was also secretary. Uh, I think I was probably youth chairman for about 15, 18 years. Okay, wow, yeah. Uh, but at some point, I had a bit of a crossover because I got... Um, I got invited to become the mini chairman for county, mm -hmm. um, which was more back in back then. It was to organise the festivals at the end of the year, and because uh, OEs, we had a very very successful. Uh, I think it's coming up towards it's it's one of the longest in the country, certainly the longest in Kent, mm -hmm. the Foxbury Festival, <clears throat> which is done in October the first weekend you could play in October. And um, it was because they are one of the founding pretty much clubs in Kent for mini youth rugby yeah. back in the 60s. Um, and we're coming up to 50 years, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> and um, I was asked to help with the mini one for the county. And the next thing I know, I was asked to be mini chair and they wanted me because the other bloke they didn't want. <laughs> so I was sort of a bit of a shoe-in. And I did that for about a year. And then um, the same thing happened with youth. They said, will you be youth chairman? Which I was for the county, did that for many years. Uh, and then lo and behold, I ended up being game development chairman. Well, I think I've been involved at county level for about 25 years now. 25 years wow impressive so you, you modestly modestly say you're a shoo-in and you, you just got asked but there must have been a quality that you had that stood out for people as why you would be selected for those roles do you think what that might be um probably the fact that i listen okay. i've always believed in the fact that you've got one mouth, two ears. So you've yeah. got to listen twice as much as you speak. And I, I've always been a great believer in listening to what's going on around me. Yeah. Uh, and picking up bits and pieces and then passing those on. Um, I, I, I found out one of the things I did, which is the, the secret to success, I think, at OEs, is one of the dads was very good with the, the youngsters and his son uh, at under seven. His name was Alan Farmer. Well, he's Alan Farmer. And I picked up that all the parents liked him and all the rest of it. And he got within the group. He found a couple of dads that were, could coach and were players. And so had it all lined up for them to go up to under eights. But then I realised we'd have a void at under sevens. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I don't know why I've got, I think I've got some water here. We'd have a void at under sevens. 
Yeah. So I said to him, um, Alan, would you do us a favour? Do you mind staying down and looking after next year's under sevens and doing the same thing again? Mm. And he went, I'll go on then. He said, I quite like it. They'll all be all right. He said, it's Sam always finds it difficult, you know, with me coaching him and all the rest of it because he was a good player. And you feel some of the parents always feel, oh, you're just picking him because he's your son. Um, and he stayed down. And he's still doing it today. Wow. And this is probably, it's over 20 years. Yeah. Just In my mind, I think it might be something to do with some of the parents that turn up, you know. Um, <laughs> he quite, quite enjoys the sort of uh, father Christmas effect, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. He's, he's been there, seen it, done it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so each year he does the same job. He gets the players to a certain level, gets some of the parents through coaching, you know, to manage the side, whatever, do all the different jobs that are involved and sends them on their way. Then, yeah, moves them up and on. Yeah. Um, and that, I, I just pick, pick this up and it, it's just literally watching people and, and the way people react. I've been a salesman all my life. Yeah. So that you, you pick up, if you like, the buying signals. Okay. And you can see when someone's interested and when they're not, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I mean, I'm not uh, on the downside. I don't suffer fools gladly. You know, if I've got people I'm talking to and think you're boring, you haven't got a life history, then sorry, I won't talk to them for very long. <laughs> well, we've, we've lasted 10 minutes so far. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully you don't think that about me so far. Um, you mentioned that your current role is uh, game development chairman at Ken County yeah. RFU. What does that involve at the moment? Um, basically, it's anything to do with the game. Um, I mean, underneath me, I've got the Women and Girls Committee, uh, education, which is minor, um, coaching and refereeing. Again, that is to do with age grade rather than anything to do with senior yeah. rugby. Uh, I've got what we call Club Kent, which covers the DPP program, the um, developing player pathway. Um, got representative rugby, you know, the under 20s, seniors, vets, and um, hang on, women and girls, women. Yeah. Um, then I've got competitions um, committee as well, which is obviously quite a large one because we're a big county. Then got RFU representation on it. Uh, I've got minis, I've got youth, and, and what else have I got? I've got a representative on there from Kent Referee Society and uh, the schools committee as well. Because you're also a Kent Society referee, right? Yes, still yes. officially. I've not not quite hung my boots up yet. <laughs> Just wait, waiting for the call for the next... Well, if you've been hankering for rugby to come back over the past year yeah, I bet as soon as that that phone rings you'll be there uh, in fairness um, the referee inside of it I've pretty much packed up now yeah yeah I might I might I, I did for many years I was a fourth official at OE so I got to you know organise the referees that were coming to the games made sure they got there but I played I didn't just referee as well I played a very active part within the society um, I used to be basically my job was appointments and reappointments officer. Okay. Um, which 
was and wasn't quite as onerous as it might sound. Yeah. What, what did that involve, really, then? Just was oh, it finding new refs or just for the games or...? No, no, treatment? getting referees to cover the games. Yeah. Um, when I started doing it, which I was trying to figure was probably maybe 20 years ago, um, it was all done by phone call. Used to ring up, you know, for I used to do midweek games at the schools as well. We had to organise, um, you know, Friday nights, Saturdays, obviously, youth games on Sundays. And the reason I got given the role, I think, was because of my connection with the youth. And I know a lot of the um, referees as well. Yeah. And um, you used to have to ring up, you know, go, oh, hi, well, this is David. Uh, what are you doing, you know, Wednesday afternoon? To, the, to those that were available, maybe at uni or something. And I said, oh, I've got a uni game, I've got a referee, or they haven't, and yeah, I'm available, what you got? Yeah. Um, and then uh, I'm always looking for, for angles, way to do things, cut down on work. Yeah. And uh, at, the moment, at the time, that's when literally uh, emails had started. And I said, you know what? It'd be easier if we've got everyone on email and I just say, da-da-da-da, I've got these games, fire an email out. Who's up for it? And I started doing that and everyone was like, well, no, they're not going to do that. You know, they like the personal touch. And I'm like, okay, we'll go with it. And even the old fuddy-duddies who said no all got themselves email addresses, got on there, and the rest is history. Yeah, and it just worked a lot smoother, streamlined yeah. it. And went from I mean... There. Each, I think, at the, when I started, each club would get at the beginning of the month, or sorry, mid-month for the next month, a list of their games and who was going to referee it. Mm. And it was sent in the post, you know, printed off, sent in the post. And then we came up with, um, oh, who's the ref? I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No, I haven't, no. Tell um, us. It's a system that uh, the bloke who runs it's very good. He's worth the RFU are getting involved with it as well. Basically, it's an online system and you can look up your game and see who's reffing it. You hover over it and it tells you his details. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and we were one of the first counties to take that on board. Uh, and I did, I helped the bloke do some development with it as well. Yeah. Because obviously it was, initially it was fine, yeah. but it needed a bit of, um, fine tuning to make it work a bit of your expertise uh expertise yeah, is thrown yeah. On there, yeah. <laughs> but the reason i got involved with refereeing was and it, it must be it's over 20 years because i was watching my son play i think he was probably about 16 at the time and the referee max <coughs> excuse me i don't know what's wrong with my throat today um he was refing and something happened and as you do as a parent, I shouted out something. And he just turned around to me and said, Clenty, he walked over with the whistle. He said, Clenty, when you know what you're talking about, I'll give you this whistle and you can come on here and ref. And I went, you're on. So I went off, I did the course, did everything, rose through the ranks and I ended up being a higher level referee than he was. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you found him and told him as well. Yeah, no, he knew that because he used <laughs> to say to me, he used to say, you're more qualified than me, so you can ref this game. <laughs> um, and uh, that's how I got into the refereeing. And I love the refereeing side of it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've always been a great believer in 
you know, having 30 on the pitch and coming off with 30, mm-hmm. the most important time to me in a game was the downtime, was talking to the players when you're walking yeah. off to do a scrum and say, to, you know, John, listen, I saw your arm, keep it up. Yeah. Like, oh, sorry, sir. You know, just, just the the small touches and just little nudges of players throughout the game, just to yeah, make um, everything run smoothly. And um, I've, we were down at uh, one year. We were doing it was a tournament. Was it sevens? It might have been sevens. And we were down at Deal and Bets Hanger, and a chap called John Carley came over to me, uh, knew I was, and said, uh, um, "Here's my grandson, Matt. He's going to help with the refereeing today." And I went, okay. He said, but he's, no, he's only young. I think he was about 15 at the time. Um, could you help him? You know, just sort of watch his games and sort of say that was good, that was bad and whatever. Yeah. Um, well, he's an international referee now, isn't he, Matt Carley? <laughs> <laughs> Which is, and, and the, the strange thing is, I've still got his phone number, his personal number, mm-hmm. after certain things that, Happen. I think I sent one not too long ago to him. I'm like, um, "How's your French?" And he went, "Nearly as good as my English." Not. <laughs> you know? Still critiquing um, when he's at the highest level. I suppose <laughs> they they still still need to be um, grounded every now and then, don't they? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he still lives down there. I still see him. He's done a couple of chats for us, um, and I, along with some others, um, probably helped him on his little way. You know, never made him feel. Uh, uh, made sure that he was never felt made to feel you know you're too young to do this and all the rest of it yeah. that, that's what I enjoy about rugby yeah. is the fact that you can do things like that yeah well you I can, mean look, looking at your uh, <clears throat> your past history there in rugby youth is clearly something that you find important and see the value in so is that is that true to say that is that what you enjoy doing the most out of the roles that you've done Yes, um, but it, it's just, yeah, because uh, I look at some of them kids and some of the kids, certainly up where we are in, uh, I mean, it's called Old Altamians because it's an offshoot of Elton College, but that area encompasses the likes of Mottingham and some other areas that are not as good. And seeing some of them, I'll never forget my a friend of mine, uh, his cousin, uh, Will said to me, like, I want Will, I want him, uh, Jamie, to play rugby. He said, I think, you know, he's got two choices here. He could go down the right or wrong path. Mm-hmm. And I think rugby will be good for him. Got him involved. He didn't know any of the boys. Got him down. He was, you know, initially, right, we'll help you, because he, he wasn't that good. Um, and then what is he now? I think he's about 37. He's got lifelong friends. Yeah, that's excellent. And, and it took him away from where he could have gone. Yeah, with some of his other mates. Yeah, um, we, you've seen that, that with a few internationals. I mean, Carl Sinclair is is one yeah. name that comes to mind. Where a lot of people are just amazed that a kid from inner city London has yeah. made it onto the biggest stage of rugby. And yeah. I think it's people like yourself and just at the grassroots level and the community level, just giving them a chance and steering them on the right path. What I do struggle with, though, is when you do see talent and they won't uh, use it. Hmm. I've, I've seen that before now as well. And I'm just thinking, why? You know, you're, you're, ta- you're good. 
yeah. stick at it. Yeah. Um, I've done a lot of ladies rugby and I saw that very recently as well. Yeah. Well, t- tell us a bit more about the ladies side of things because that's and probably one of the fastest growing areas of the game at the moment for a game development chairman. It is. Um, and I've been involved with ladies rugby in the county for, again, 20 odd years. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, you know all the trials and tribulations that got on with the men and the women. You know, you had the, um, they were totally separate. And in fact, that was the saving Kennet. So we um, got them involved. And I was actually the first president for the Kent women. Okay. First and only. I think I lasted about two years and then it got sucked in. Um, and it's, I, th- I think ladies' rugby is very pure. You give them the ball and you say, you run that way. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get tackled. You know, look, if you can pass it, pass. If not, take the tackle, go to ground, and that's your job done. Yeah. Let the others. And, and they do what they're asked to do. They don't get carried away, yeah. you know, with kicking it and doing other silly things. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I enjoy it. I, I, I really do enjoy it. It's, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I've known Rachel Burford. I knew her when she was a mini. Okay. Wow. Down at Medway, knew her dad, know her mum, her sister. I've refed her down there. Um, I think she was about 16 and playing with her sister who's older, older than her. And I'll never forget, you could just see what a talent she was. Yeah. You know, she was just outstanding. Um, yeah. And, you know, she's rugby is Rachel Burford. That's it. Yeah, it's you know, in her blood. She knows, yeah, yeah, it's in her blood, definitely. Yeah. And, um, and you, you see that with the men. I see it more um, with the men, obviously. But uh, when you get people like Rachel, same thing applies. You know, Rachel's lovely, still lives in the area, know her very well and thinks she's brilliant. Yeah. Catherine Spencer, the okay. ex-England captain. In yeah. fact, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, one of my first games I refereed, I was down at Folkestone and I was doing a ladies game. And she was playing in it against, I can't remember who it was. But all I can remember is the coach was just giving me jip nonstop. And in the end, I just had enough and gave me his marching orders. He said, you can't do that. Well, I can and off you go. Yeah. And she was she was playing in the game. And, uh, um, you know, that was just a local, I think she might have only been 16, 17 at the time. Because um, she was, in those days, you, obviously, a lot of the uh, ladies, if you like, were a lot younger and could play before the rules and regs came in. Yeah. And uh, uh, you could see then she was a talent, mm-hmm. you know. And I followed her all the way through. In fact, I got her involved again after she's retired. Yeah. She came to OE's and started up a ladies' side we had for a few years. Okay. But sadly, that disbanded when our... Sponsor died Christmas before last. That's a shame. Yeah, uh, but we, we we were successful. Yeah, that's good. Three years we did it. Oh, I love ladies rugby. I think it's great. Yeah, good. Um, another thing, well, you've you've mentioned a few times that um, you've seen a lot of talent kind of come up through the ranks and move on to the professional game. Um, I saw on your website that Kent County RFU has a link up with Saracens. 
Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a bit how, how this works and um, what's involved there? Um, well, I suppose the best way to describe it is talent spotting. That's okay. exactly what it is. Uh, everybody, you know, most parents want their son, daughter to be the next whatever. Um, but you need to go through the right process to get there. Yeah. And yes, you do get superb players at one club. They are the best player, but then you put them with other players from other clubs and you realise that actually they're not. Yeah. And it's, we've learned to sort of monitor and maintain their enthusiasm. Um, and at the same time, if we've got to let them down, they are let down. Yeah. You know, it's just, um, and I think to a certain degree, if you talk to the parents, which we do do, and explain, oh, he's going to be a very good club player. But, you know, at the moment, I mean, sometimes we have late developers. Yeah. You do get that. Yeah. Um, England's aware of that as well. Um, but the programme works very well. They get the coaches in, which tend to be local school teachers, other people, and they look for that talent. Um, <clears throat> we've had a few successes. I think that probably one you might know is... Uh, he happens to be an OE, is Nick Tompkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, I've known Nick for, again, 20-odd years when he was like four, five years old, came down with his elder brother and used to, he was an absolute pest because <laughs> he was just, he was a bundle of joy. And yeah. would be rushing around the place constantly, you know, and afterwards on a Sunday afternoon, if we're in a bar, he'd be in and out, and, you know, driving everyone mad. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'll never forget, we were, he, he, he was part of an extremely good side we had and he got picked up, was playing Kent under 16s, I think it was. And it was a county game and one of their wingers was through and he, he'd taken a diagonal towards to score underneath the post and everyone was watching it and going, oh. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Tompkins just appeared. At the time he was playing flanker, he just appeared and just absolutely wiped this poor kid out, got up, took the ball from him and ran. Yeah. And everyone went, he didn't score. You know, it, it, to what everyone that was watching the game, it was like, they, it was a tight game as well. They're going to score, we're going to be a try down. No, he had other ideas. He yeah, would right. never give up. And... Uh, um, He's obviously one that went through. Um, they put him, I think he played for St Albans, I can't remember now. Uh, and, well, you know, he's playing for Wales now. Yeah. That's an incredible, his incredible, incredible story. Yeah, but I, I think that's a shame. I think that was a talent missed, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. And he's still, he's still, to this day, every now and again, Something will happen, I'll invite him down or in touch with him and say, come down and he'll make an appearance. And um, yeah, lovely lad. And who's the other one at the moment? Place for what? So on Dogwoo? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Paolo. Um, I bumped into him, oh, probably four, maybe five, five years ago. He was playing for Sale uh, when they were in national. Two North, they'd won National Two North, and OEs had won National Two South, and we had to go to Sale and play them as a promotion game. Okay. And he was playing for them at the time, and you could see what an absolute talent he was going to be. I mean, yeah. he was just 
um, uh, he was like a prop on steroids, you know, because <laughs> if you've ever looked at him, he's quite small, isn't he? But really Stock, stocky. Stocky, yeah. yeah. And, uh, um, but we had enough that we basically never, never let it get to him. We kept it sort of, if you like, through the middle. Yeah. So, and when they were trying to get out to him, it, it wasn't going to get there. Um, and uh, we, we won the game. It was a tight game. We, I think we won by a point. Um, uh, uh, but they they got a try right at the death, which he scored. And I think he took three of our boys and two of them ended up with concussion over the line to score this one try right at the death. And I think the referee then blew up just after that. <laughs> but I was standing there when he when he came and I just thought I came across at an angle to take him and I thought nah he's still going to score <laughs> yeah. it's not someone I'd like to get in the, get in the way of no. Anyway. <laughs> no. and they both ended up clashing heads yeah and uh, they did take him down but it was right on the line but and then obviously he's progressed he's progressed and he's playing for wasps you know yeah. um, that's that's my enjoyment is watching yeah. those players think, oh you know I remember you. Yeah, thinking um, of, oh, I remember you from under 10s, under 12s. and Well, another one, a strange thing, was Adam Jamili. Okay. Yeah, the the athlete. The, the runner. runner. Yeah. yeah. He was he, at Dartford Grammar School. Was he? Well, uh, nearly a rugby player, was he? He was a rugby player. He played for Dartford Grammar School. He was really a good rugby player. Um, but then, but Dartford Grammar School is probably ranked in the top 20 in the country for sport, to be honest with you. It's whatever it may be, you know, shop put, you name it, they're, they're sports mad up there. Yeah. And uh, he was playing rugby, obviously a winger, um, but at the same time he was running. Yeah. And they decided that the running was better. Best for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I remember reffing him because I, I saw it and thought, because I, I asked the uh, teacher what happened to that good winger you had. I think he scored quite a few tries in one game. And he went, oh, no, he's running now. We've got him running. He's a really good runner. You know, he, he might make it. Well, he did make it. So. <laughs> he did, yeah. Yeah. Did. Wow. But that's that's what's good about rugby. You can cross over sports as well. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'll find it annoying. But the, the kind of people like that, you just, if they're good at oh, all sports, they're good at all different types of sports. And yeah, there's yeah. us struggling down in the thirds and the fourths of different sports, and he's in the first team of everything. So <laughs> always jealous of those type of people. Um, yeah. There was uh, what one last thing that I was going to ask you. I mean, you've you've been at so many different roles uh, throughout your rugby career. So are there any lessons that you've learned or advice that you can share from your experiences um, with colleagues potentially in similar roles in other unions or in other clubs? There would just be helpful advice for for other people in the rugby community. Listen to other people's ideas. Okay. Just because we've always done it and we always will doesn't work. Yeah. Times change, things change. I go back to the you know using hotmail. Yeah. Well, you're not going to ring me. No, I'm not. You'll get an email. If you want to talk to me, I'll talk to you. Just give us a call. Um, and it's just because someone is not necessarily good at a certain age doesn't mean they're not going to change because um, they do. Um, I think Andy Sheridan used to be a, a centre when he, you know, he's another one that was at OE's back in the day. 
um, he ended up being a prop. Um, so people can change, but at the same time, as parents and anyone else involved in the game, whatever role they may be doing, you have, you've got to adapt. I mean, the RFU, I mean, we've got walking rugby at the moment. We've yeah. got wheelchair rugby now. Yeah. Um, Recently, I, I've I've found O2, <coughs> O2 Touch. I, I yeah. played union my entire uh, rugby career, but I had quite an unfortunate um, leg break in my mid-20s. I think I was 26, 27 at the time. And... Um, my mistake, I ran alongside a prop who fell on me and broke my tib and fib. So. <laughs> but, I mean, it was completely... Hang on, hang on, sorry, rewind that, you ran next to him. Yeah, uh, well... Uh, I... Shouldn't you have been ahead of him? What, what, was, what happened? <laughs> was it muddy? It was, a, it was a very, very quick prop. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but it was just wrong place, wrong time. But it it changed my rugby career. I mean, I've... I've haven't really been the same since and I've had to look at other I've always wanted to be involved in the game so I've just had to look at other options and O2 Touch was is a great thing that I found keeps yeah, me involved you in the probably club. um gathered a lot of my role has been around OEs and various things but a lot of the people I've known close have been at OEs there was one boy that uh, uh I'm not going to mention his name but um left went to university down in Sussex um, broke his back and then ended up in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, he's playing wheelchair rugby now. That's amazing. Uh, and he's on the cusp of playing for is it the yeah, their GB aren't they? GB, yeah, yeah. He's on the cusp of playing for them because it was a sport he loved. Yeah. And he found a way to continue, you know, continuing doing it, oh, um, albeit from his wheelchair. Yeah, spoke to him absolutely lovely chap and uh, I, I know he's put his heart and soul into it um, I'm not quite sure I've put it on my agenda to talk on Tuesday about uh, walking rugby and touch and wheelchair rugby to be honest with you what involvement we can have with it is there anything we can help with because yes it's there but it, it doesn't really need uh, um, monitoring necessarily or controlling yeah. So I think it's, you know, um out in left field and if it grows, it grows. Yeah. Of Some clubs it's growing. Yeah. Well, uh thanks for your time, David. Uh we're gonna have to stop there, but really appreciate you sharing your experiences, stories and insights and everything like that. <laughs> and continue the great work of growing the game um in Kent. Thank you very much for Thank being here. Thank you. On the well, show. I really appreciate it. And I I, I look forward to your magazine every well, is it every two months now is it every every quarter we we send it out at the moment we're hopefully is it yeah hopefully going to grow it to yeah every two months in the in the near future but, yeah. oh good but uh no i certainly um certainly enjoy it and thanks again for having me on yeah. Thank you for listening to the Rugby Blindside podcast. To discover more about what happens off the pitch in rugby, please check out our website, rugbyblindside.com, where you can access our quarterly magazine, as well as the latest news, features and interviews. You can find the Rugby Blindside podcast wherever you get your pods. If you haven't already, please click subscribe to make sure you receive our future episodes in your feed. Until then, thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time on the Rugby Blindside podcast.